time stuff that I wish I had. The big time stuff that'll make you mad. The big time stuff. I like the big time stuff. I like the big time stuff that I never had. Welcome to Market Meditations. Today we're bringing you a, a special guest named Andrew Klein. And I, Neil Modi, will be interviewing Andrew because he's helping lots of uh, people in his accounting practice apply for the government loans that are available for COVID-19. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Neil. Thanks. Happy to be here. So, you know, and how I got to know Andrew is Andrew is actually uh, my accountant and my good buddy and at one point even my uh, tennis partner. Um, <laughs> Andrew, do you mind uh, beyond you know sharing a, that, do you mind sharing a little bit, uh, a small amount about your entrepreneurial journey and a little bit about your accounting practice before we dive in deep to how you can help people today? Sure. Yeah, I uh, I graduated from college um, and I pretty quickly joined a uh, large CPA firm. It was a probably top fourteen in the country, but the largest here in Seattle. Uh, while I was, at you the make CPA, it sound like you graduated last year or something. <laughs> well, I mean, this is probably I don't know fifteen twenty years ago. So this is this is even before my MBA. But uh, I graduated from Seattle U, a great great uh, uh, little local school here, um, pretty connected to downtown. Um, but I, I was just bored out of my mind working at a CPA firm doing, this is back in the day when auditors had to do statistical analysis and pull, you know, hundreds of transactions and go and talk to the clients. And did you really send this invoice? Did they really pay it? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so I was just really bored and I was crushing through a lot of the work because I, I was really experienced in Excel and I, I was always looking for how do you be more efficient? How do you do stuff better? And so while I was at uh, this large accounting firm, I actually started a, uh, a business um, kind of in my spare time, like a nights and weekends type business, which I, I highly suggest for anyone working at a job that they've kind of got a good hold of. And uh, I'd worked while I was in college at uh, Taco Del Mar, which was about a 300 unit franchise restaurant chain. And so my business that I started uh, while working at Moss Adams, they say you always should invest in something that you uh, that you know well, right? Invest in what you know. And so I'd opened a chain of crepe restaurants, and uh, and then this I was doing about a million dollars a year over three locations. Wait, at what uh, age? Like really young, uh, right? Yeah, but like twenty two years old. Like I barely <laughs> got my <laughs> I barely started going to bars before I'd opened up a, a chain of restaurants, right? Um, no, and, and and really it was uh, it was interesting because I understood uh, by you know just paying attention at where I worked, I understood how you could get tenant improvement allowance from shopping malls and how you could, you know, use your lease to sort of fund your business and then how to juggle the financing for the equipment. So I pretty much started out with no money, made a million dollars a year until the economy crashed back in 2008 and then ended the business pretty much how I started it with a lot of experience. I call it my real life MBA, <laughs> um, but, I, but I sort of started and ended with nothing, which was, uh, which is kind of ironic. From, from that point on, I'd worked in startups fulfilling the uh, financial silo of the business. That guy at the company that sort of holds everything together, helps with HR, accounting, uh, legal, 
and all that sort of backend system. And I bounced from startup to startup until eventually I was running an angel investment group. And I realized, holy crap, it wasn't just the startups that I was in that uh, needed help with accounting. Every startup needs help with accounting and every investor needs to be able to have numbers they can depend on. And so that's really how Z accounting started is I started providing you do stuff uh, with just be on startups. I mean, like you've told me, <laughs> you've told me a very small amount about some of your clients and they do not seem like startups at all. Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. It was, it was originally a service that I thought I would help these angel investors make better investments and I would help those companies perform better and, and get better results because they weren't going to be running out of money. They're hiring and being compliant, paying their taxes. And so my first business plan was really startup tech businesses based on the West Coast, Seattle, San Francisco, um, you know, LA, probably if I was starting it today. But what, what happens is as, as you're doing great work for these entrepreneurs, you find out there's many businesses that are facing the cha same challenge as these tech entrepreneurs but they don't have angel investors. They're their own angel investors. And so, yeah, I've got, I've got a couple clients, um, I mean, probably more than a couple now, that are these service businesses. So these marketing firms that are doing 10, 20, $30 million a year in marketing service businesses. Um, I've, got a, I've got a painter. I was actually just talking uh, to the uh, Department of Revenue here in Washington about a, a painting business um, that we represent. So now I think today we've got businesses across the board. We've got, a, uh, we've got an awesome little cannoli shop, actually, that's a customer <laughs> uh, just up in, uh, in the north end of Lake Washington. So, in Seattle. Um, <laughs> right, in, in Seattle, yeah. And so, um, you know, we've, we've got customers across the whole board. And so I think that that's a, does a great job of bringing us back to um, this sort of economic crash uh, due to COVID. And uh, I'm really, really chill at this economic crash right now. In 2008, I had 50 employees and a million dollars in revenue. And our bank, our landlord for our highest grossing location, and, um, and pretty much everyone in the building uh, got laid off. So th the bank and the landlord went bankrupt. And then everyone in the building of our second location that we'd uh, that we'd built got laid off because it was a in the financial district of Seattle, and so I went from having fifty employees and a million in revenue and a very profitable crate business down to a couple hundred thousand in revenue, and and we burned through all the savings and reserves that we had within a couple months just trying to give the employees a soft landing coming out of that economic crash. But, you know, I learned a lot back then and we had no program. Would you do that again? Prop up small businesses. You know, I, 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 I would wonder, I, I would, I, you know, if you called me, I'd probably say, you know, it's a nice thing to do, but don't. I, you know, I, I think that's the, the hard thing about restaurants is they say that the best way to make a small fortune in restaurants is to start out with a large fortune. But the problem <laughs> is, is that business kind of bites you. And, uh, and now I think I, I use more logic than I would have when I was 22. And so I think I could convince myself to not go back and do it. But there, there's incredible opportunities in the restaurant industry and the restaurants that make it through this economic crash of being forced to shut down and not take customers. The ones that are able to embrace technology and build their business or at least sustain their business to some extent are going to be that much stronger and that much more profitable coming out of this. And so I think in every industry, there's always a disruptor 
or a, or an entrepreneur who can make a success of something. And I'd like to argue that uh, if I didn't have all the the obligations of being a parent and uh, of having hundreds of of uh, being the parent to hundreds of entrepreneurs, I guess um, that, that depend on us for accounting, I think I'd consider it again. But it's just it's a really tough business, so. You know, tip your bartenders for sure because it's hard work. So, so take me through. You know, the reason we, we had you on the podcast, the reason you and I were talking about it was um, you, you, uh, you said, hey, look, I'm helping as many companies as I can. You know, I just started offering free services to help people uh, apply for these, I'll call them COVID-19 loans from the government. And you said like you'd done a couple hundred like in the last you know week or something like that. Take take me through that. You know, is that an offer for anybody? You know, like maybe you can explain the services. Um, yeah, it's been about it's been about three weeks. Um, but one one of the loans is uh, is pretty easy to do if you have the information. So for our client base, I could knock through one of these applications in about fifteen minutes. And then I've also made people on my team available to help. Uh, cheerlead clients through this as well and non-clients. Um, but yeah, I just really thought back in 2008 when the economy crashed during the housing crisis, had we had programs like we have today, I don't think that as many businesses would have gone under. And my crate business didn't necessarily go under. It just never got to profitability again. It just sort of got to break even. So we could barely sort of <laughs> you know, survive and just, tread. just so you know, I think that means it went under. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, there, there's, uh, it could sustain. Like, I, I think it could still be around today, just barely paying its bills. Like a lot of restaurants do. And, and as the economy came back over the last five years, it definitely would have been profitable. But I think that these programs where you can get payroll forgiveness by keeping your employees employed and where you can get a long-term loan that helps support your working capital. I think that these programs are phenomenal for keeping businesses alive and keeping employees employed. And so I think about back in, in the time where I was young, so I was able to sort of get through it and survive, and I didn't have kids, and I didn't have you know all those responsibilities that everybody, that you know, that a lot of people have that own businesses. Um, and I was really devastated when the economy crashed last time. And I, and I still struggle with, you know, like I say, like the business was still alive. It just wasn't doing great. You know, that, that F word, that failure word, I really struggle with even back from 2008. And so I thought if there was a way that I could help entrepreneurs survive and help figure out these programs, one, my clients were asking me to do it. And, you know, we're, we try and be full service of anything accounting related opposed to just being a bookkeeper like the original business model we're really that accounting department for entrepreneurs small businesses and and startups where they're where they can have the same sort of service you'd have at accounting at microsoft.com uh you know you have at accounting at your own company.com and then that that service is is fulfilled by our our bookkeeping team and our tax team and all all the people on our team and so all those questions I knew were going to be coming in. And, and so I quickly figured out where do you go to apply? Who are the best banks to apply with? Um, who's going to be up? Who's going to, if you don't have one of those banks, if you're using a credit union, where can you go? And so I, I, we quickly figured out what's the best path. And then as we were working through the first couple applications, actually working directly with the SBA, asking them questions, giving them responses, finding out the questions that they asked, we were able to prep the other clients 
and the other, I guess, non-clients that we've even been working with, we were able to help them prep so that there were less questions so they could get through the process faster. So, so yeah, I just feel you, like can it's you take us our through responsibility. The, the couple yeah. um, loan programs that exist and um, correct me if I'm wrong, you are just helping anybody who comes. So even big companies are coming to you and you're, you're doing this for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there, there's a chain of restaurants that we work with here in Washington state. Uh, I'm not going to name them, but they're a, they're a burger chain. They've got probably about a dozen locations and, um, and we help them fight. They've got 300 employees. So we've helped them work through the applications and they actually have different entities for each of their locations. So we help them. So we'll help big companies and, and I help them because I like their burgers. So um, that was kind of one of the first like non-clients that we, that we work with. And, and the, the process is, is not, if you've done it, you know, a hundred times before, it's not super hard. Um, but the process is so helpful for those entrepreneurs that, uh, that, you know, the, the payment for me is just helping these businesses stay afloat and giving everyone hope that, you know, the economy is going to come back and they're going to get this stopgap in between there. But the first place I think that businesses should look, um, and we've helped businesses from New Mexico to Austin, Texas, LA, Denver. Um, we helped a optometry clinic in, um, and I think it was, it was Jersey, uh, New Jersey, which has been pretty heavily hit um, from the fallout from New York. They might even be the second worst hit at, at, at this point. But we've been helping clients from across the country. And the first thing that we do, even before we set up the call, is we say, go to your local city's Chamber of Commerce website and see what your city's offering. So for example, here in Seattle, the local city of Seattle is offering a $10,000 grant. to. It's targeted to restaurants, but essentially if you're a restaurant, and you're operating in the city of Seattle and you've had to close, you can get $10,000 from the city of Seattle. And I think what you'll find is across the country, a lot of cities, especially the more wealthier cities, are offering programs like this. And then the next step would be to go to your state's uh, website, your state department of commerce, and, and look for similar programs. There's also other private programs that are that you can find on those websites or the websites of small innovative banks. So for example, here in Seattle, Amazon has offered $5 million of grants to businesses around their campus in downtown Seattle that have been devastated by employees not going to work. So first off, there's a series of small programs that you can apply to that are at your local municipal and state level. And then the two programs that you've probably been hearing about uh, nationally in all the news um, are the Payroll Protection Program, otherwise known as the PPP, and then the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, the EIDL program. Will you take us through both of those programs? Absolutely. I'll start with the EIDL because the EIDL actually launched three weeks before the PPP. And the EIDL was interesting because there was a disaster loan program established prior to the COVID disaster that, that allowed people in a disaster zone like, uh, like Hurricane Katrina area to apply for these disaster loans. This loan is a 30-year loan at a 3.75% interest rate. So say, for example, you qualify for a $100,000 loan, you're only going to pay $400 a month. 
and you can pay it off at any time you, you want. Uh, you can pay it off early if the business comes back. And there's also no payments during the time of the crisis, which they're considering being 12 months. So once you get the loan, you don't have to make a single payment for 12 months. And then at the end of 12 months, your payment term is over 30 years, which the 30-year loan is kind of the magical thing because uh, the loan payments are so small. So this loan became the COVID-19 relief loan. Um, and so it's, it's, the same, it's the same economic injury disaster loan, but COVID-19 created a new website. With this loan through the CARES Act, they passed a, a forgivable part of this loan. So the first $10,000, which they've essentially prescribed is going to be in an advance, although none of these advances have been funded yet, but the, the first $10,000 of this loan is forgiven automatically, and then you have to pay back the rest of the loan. And so the process for that loan, and this is probably the bulk of the loans that we've done, because uh, a lot of small business owners don't pay themselves a traditional salary because their business is an LLC, or in some cases, we've done a lot for sole proprietors. But this loan allows you to apply for a grant of $10,000. And by doing that grant of $10,000, providing a routing and account information, you're also entered in uh, with the SBA for a direct SBA loan of what we're seeing is about half of your annual sales from the year before. And that's spread over 30 years at 3.75% interest. The interesting thing is uh, with our clients that have gotten to the approval stage, there have been five different people at the SBA that have touched their file. And so when you're thinking that there's been, you know, a couple weeks ago, they had a stat that there was 14,000 applications within the first week, and the SBA had only opened 6,000 of those 14,000 uh, a week or two into it. So now I'm guessing there's probably 30,000 applications, maybe half of them have been uh, started at the SBA. But there's there's a person who intakes the forms. There's a person who follows up with the applicant to get additional information. There's someone that reviews and prepares documents. There's a legal review. And then ultimately, there's the people that distribute the funds. So um, that loan is really easy to apply for. The initial disaster loan, when we first started making applications three weeks ago, was a little bit more onerous. But now it's totally streamlined. You essentially tell the SBA what type of business you are, you give them information about the business, you give them information about the individual, a little bit of information about your previous revenue, and then you're routing an account information for the deposit. So that application is actually really easy. There's some of the questions that are a little bit tricky, which is the, the major uh, value that we've been providing for the people that we've been helping them fill that out. Um, but that's the EIDL loan. So um, that's able to be used for anything that helps keep the business afloat because it's a working capital loan. You do have to track where you spent the money, even if you're a sole proprietor. And so we're working with a lot of people to set up programs uh, for their accounting and their bookkeeping afterwards so that we can help them sort of auto comply and keep their books in order so that as those funds come in, they're well accounted for. The second program, the PPP, the Payroll Protection Program, is a program that's based off of a period of, of your wages you paid to your employees. And then you take your average over that period multiply it by 2.5, and then that's a loan that's given to you from your bank or an SBA lender 
And then if you use that loan on paying payroll, rent, utilities, or interest uh, for the business, uh, you'll be able to apply to get that loan forgiven again through your bank. And so that program, uh, we've heard that the first applications are starting to get uh, disbursements of their funds now. The hard thing is if you're a small business, your payroll isn't as consistent as a large company uh, would be. And so pulling the, the W-2 forms for the year or your 940 tax reporting form isn't totally representative of what your average payroll is. And so we've been working with a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners to figure out what is your accurate payroll reporting period. And so the law allows you to take a seasonally adjusted payroll period. So if you do all your business you know, during the summer, you can base the loan off of that, that time of the year for payroll. Or if you uh, started your business and you've been growing over time, you can take a rolling 12 months opposed to the 2019 time or even a shorter period. And so we've been working with our, our clients and then also anyone else really that reaches out to help them identify what's the most optimized, best representation of our, our average monthly payroll. And then what are we going to be able to, to spend this money on for it to be forgiven? Um, so that loan is done through your bank. And there's been some challenges. Bank of America was the first bank to allow those applications. However, they only allow those applications from their customers who already had an existing lending relationship with Bank of America. Chase Bank, uh, when, that, when Bank of America launched, they were the first ones to launch on Friday. And then Chase Bank was supposed to launch the following Monday. But a lot of our clients couldn't even get into their portal until midday or later on Tuesday. Their application was a lot more thorough. But again, they only started processing the applications probably Wednesday and Thursday of last week. So not, not that we know of have any of those loans actually been dispersed. My best suggestion if you're trying to get the PPP loan would be to find a local bank that you have some relationship with. So if you've got a small local bank, um, like uh, I think it's uh, First Tech in uh, California has been doing a great job for some of their clients. Um, also, actually, First Republic, it, it is in California. Um, First Republic Bank in California has been doing a great job for their clients because they've got a real great hand touch to their customers that they work with, and they've been able to process those applications pretty seamlessly and uh, without a whole bunch of back and forth. So, Any, yeah. Anything else we should know, Andrew, about how to get a hold of you or anything else? That yeah, so um, our website is zcounting.com. So it's just like accounting, but with a Z instead of an A. So Z-C-C-O-U-N-T-I-N-G.com. Um, I'm also pretty active on uh, Instagram. And uh, recently, I've started to become active on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> just giving, you know, just giving information. Just, just in I case have it a matters. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you know, it's funny. I have a client who's the, uh, probably the largest TikTok agency uh, today. You know, you have marketing agencies that focus on social and, and stuff. So these guys focus strictly on TikTok. 
and uh, they're probably the largest TikTok agency today. And their CEO has actually just mentioned in uh, Bloomberg on an article on how to advertise on TikTok. But their their average age of their uh, of their employees is probably twenty years old. <laughs> and so when I've gone down to visit them in uh, in Los Angeles, uh, one of their employees encouraged me to create a TikTok because TikTok today is prioritizing educational content. And then another thing that I realized... Oh, I only thought about these... TikTok for dance videos. Look, she was you, know, to... you know, it's, fu- it's funny. Yeah, so so most of TikTok is dance videos. And I always feel weird talking about tax and accounting. And, <laughs> and in, in, in the case of last week, all these disaster recovery loans without doing dance moves. Um, but, you know, it's there's a lot of young people on TikTok. And uh, I think that, you know, just being able to give back to to young people and helping them understand sort of the basics about employment and about, uh, about accounting and personal finance, I think has been, has been fun. So look for me, uh, Z County across the board, uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, and yeah. And, and again, I'm, I've got open arms to any entrepreneur, founder, small business that's struggling through these loan applications. Uh, we're, we're helping everyone, uh, sort of at, at no cost. All right. Uh, because I, I just I just want to help and and hopefully uh, when they get back on their feet and uh, they need another accountant, hopefully they'll think of us. So in the show notes, we'll we'll also add an email address or maybe even a, your calendar link if that's okay. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks for joining yeah. us today. And uh, if you need any help with applying for any of these loans, please don't hesitate to call Andrew. Um, we've had a couple of folks that we know um, over at Zoic Capital have interest and. Um, you know, it's been really quick and I've gotten great feedback. So uh, thanks again. Yeah, thanks so much, Neil. The big time stuff that I wish I had. The big time stuff that I make you mad. The big time stuff. I like the big time stuff. I like the big time stuff that I never had.